You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wonderful. Good afternoon. What a fabulous, fabulous welcome. Thank you very much. What a great introduction. And uh, it is a joy to be with you. Always a joy. It does feel like coming home, I have to say. And uh, I I do feel like probably part of the furniture. I'm not sure that's a good thing or not, but I absolutely do feel totally welcomed. I'm always well looked after and every detail is seen to. This is a great church and your culture of hospitality and generosity uh, is really outstanding. And uh, as Jonathan said, I have uh, my wife Dawn with me. Uh, We were married at 29 years earlier this month. There we are. Yes. And... uh, Actually, I, I think she deserves a better round of applause than that, but there we are, I, I don't know. But, yeah. so, um, so we celebrated that. We've had a great life together. Outside of deciding to follow Jesus, uh, she is the single biggest and best decision I've ever made in my life. She's a, an outstanding woman, incredible person, and she truly makes me a better man. And uh, we have three kids together. Most of you will know Elena, who's married to Dan, Simeon, and Beth Ann, who's currently at Soul Survivor, hopefully surviving. <laughs> Soul Survivor uh, in the mud. Um, And then, of course, the sausage dogs. We have the two sausage dogs. I secretly believe Dawn loves the sausage dogs more than me, but we won't go into that. I'm over that. I've I've recovered from that emotional trauma. Um, But uh, it's a joy to be with you. And it's my joy, absolute privilege over the next couple of weeks uh, to share from the Word of God. And right on cue, uh, this is what we're going to be uh, talking about. So this week and next week, the overarching theme is this, the freedom of limitation which sort of sounds like a contradiction. And it's the idea that we can go beyond by staying within. And again, that sort of sounds like a contradiction. And it is. It's a deliberate uh, uh, idea, deliberate paradox that I want you to think about. And this morning, I'm going to be looking, or this afternoon now, I'm going to be looking at the fantasy of limitless living. We sort of live in a world today that is suggesting to us that uh, there are no limits and uh, I, I, you know, part of me wants to believe that and go with that. Another part of me goes, hold on, is that even possible? And if it is possible, how do I do it? And if it's not possible, how do I reject this? And how do I, as a follower of Jesus, address uh, myself to this? If you're interested in any of this teaching, it's also in a book form. It's there for you if you're interested. It's on Kindle as well. And anyone who has version, uh, there's a seven-day devotional, free devotional, goes with that book as well. So that's, I'm not here to sell books, but if you want to follow that up, you can. Anyone like this book? Yes. yes. Who said yes? You? Okay, you have to come over here because health and safety doesn't allow me to throw a book anymore. In case I kill you. Bless you. Enjoy. What a bold lady. I'm getting the impression don't mess with her, but I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, so if you have your Bible, uh, we're going to read together from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's a short reading, so if you don't have a Bible with you, if you're a guest, don't worry about it. But if you do have a Bible, I'd really love you to look this up. So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
And Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And um, it's an interesting dynamic. He's having to sort of defend himself, which is a bit strange. Paul helped plant the church at Corinth, but they've got into a little bit of a difficulty between the church and him. And he's almost having to sort of defend himself and say, I have the right to minister to you. Please allow me into your world. And so you have this interesting uh, conversation that's taking place. And right in the middle of this, Paul... uh, brings us some interesting teaching in line with what we're talking about today and next week. So verse 12, here's Paul speaking and he says this, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. That's a great word for our world today. Verse 13, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even to you. Okay, so we'll hold it there. I want you to see the verse again. Look at the screen. You can read the verse with me. Look at the the language, which is really, really interesting. But we will confine our boasting, Paul says, to the field... God has assigned to us. Interesting idea that Paul seems to be suggesting he's doing certain things, not simply because he can do them, but because he's been assigned by God to that thing. Now, that's a great idea, but of course, that suggests with it that you can be uh, not assigned to something. So if I'm assigned to do something, then the the other flip side of that is, actually there's something I'm not assigned to do. If I'm empowered to do something, then there may be something else I'm not empowered to do. I love how the message uh, version puts it for us on the screen for you. We're sticking to the limits of what God has set for us. Now in our 21st century world, that sounds a little bit negative. Because we live in a world today that wants to encourage you to just break out, break out of the boundaries, uh, go for it, uh, do what you want to do, dream a dream, because every dream is possible. And that's the sort of language, whether it be Disney, or whether it be Twitter, or whether it would be Facebook, that's the sort of message that comes out there all the time. I'm a bit of a, a, a fan of social media, so I'm on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that malarkey going on. And I saw this on, on uh, Twitter uh, recently, and it said this, before thinking out of the box, it's always good to remember there is no box. And the person even put a nice hashtag, hashtag big box myth, because you put a hashtag, it's more true. Uh, And so, so you get this going on. So this is on Twitter, and I'm reading this and looking at this, and part of me wants to believe this. So I want to believe there is no box. But I'm 50 years of age and I'm struggling to believe that because my whole life I've been contending with boxes, all right? Good boxes, bad boxes, and ugly boxes. They're there in my world. And that's part of the challenge because actually we've got to be careful about making Twitter truth our truth. You know, some of us will go on holiday, you go into a nice wee shop, and there's fridge magnets with lovely little pithy sayings on it, and we go, oh, that's cute, that's lovely, and we take it, we put it on our fridge, we read it every day, and it's rubbish. Okay, so we, we have to be careful that we're not building our life on fridge magnet philosophy, or because it's on Twitter, and it's got a hashtag, and it's trending, that somehow it's true. 
So when I read stuff like this, my reaction is, you know, I want to believe it, but I, I then want to examine this idea from a Bible worldview point of view. I want to I wanna compare what this is being said against what the Bible is saying, because as a follower of Jesus, my, my plumb line is the Bible. That's where I'm, I'm taking my wisdom from. So I want, to, I want to know, is it true there is no box? Because that would be brilliant. That would be amazing. We could do anything we want to do. Or actually, does that idea need to be challenged properly? Does, do I as a Christian need to understand that actually, actually, there are limits to my life? Now, there are good limits. There are bad limits. So a bad limit would be, uh, you know, you have a, a very poor view of yourself, a, a view that God doesn't have, a view that even your friends don't have, but you see yourself as small uh, and weak and unable to do certain things. Well, that's, that's a box that we need to break out of. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Is that okay? Or, or there could be a box that someone else has put you in. So a parent or a, or a teacher or, a, or an influencer or even a religious person, they've put you in a box that actually has restricted your ability to, to really function as a, as a man and woman or as a follower of Jesus. And actually the things they've put you in are not from God, they're, they're not healthy, they're not liberating and, and empowering, they're actually hurting you and restricting you. So actually, that's a bad box. So, so any box that's hurting you, any box that's actually demeaning you, any box that's taking something away from you, that's a bad box. And we want to challenge that. We want to say, let's get out of that box. Let's break free from that. Let's break free from that mentality. But, big but, I have also discovered that there are good boxes. That actually, as a follower of Jesus, you can't become a follower of Jesus without getting into a box. I have to take up my cross and follow him. That's a box. Okay. That actually, if, if I want to be a, a good husband, there are boxes. There are things I just can't do. All right. If I want to be a good dad, there are boxes. If I want to be a good employee or a, or a good employer, there are boxes. So actually, there are some good boxes in our world. And when we read the Bible, we discover that there are boxes that God wants us to stay in. But here's the paradox. Here's the, here's the tension. If you're prepared to stay in God's box, the one that he's designed, then actually that empowers you to go further with your life than you could ever have gone if you'd have stayed out of the box. So actually, I've discovered this principle. If I step into God and what he wants for me and what he's planned for me and purpose for me and even the things he doesn't want me to do and the things he does want me to do, like Paul, if I go after the thing I'm assigned to, and actually, here's what I've discovered. My world gets bigger. It gets better. Actually, I'm getting to do more stuff. I'm getting to, to be a better person. My world is growing. It's not shrinking. And so we tend to think of a boundary as a negative that restricts us. But biblical boundary is not designed to restrict you. It's designed to liberate you. It's designed to set you free. Now, from the outside, it looks like a restriction. But when you get inside, it's a liberation. It sets us free to be the person, to, be, to live in the purpose that God has designed for us. Some of you will know Brian Houston. Brian Houston is the uh, senior leader of the Hillsong Network across the world, one of the largest local church networks on the planet. And he said this in his book, Live, Love, Lead. He said, we can only operate within the sphere of service God himself 
has assigned us. I love that. Now, now what he means by that is, as a follower of Jesus, of course, as a human being, you can operate outside of God's sphere. Even as a Christian, you can operate, uh, operate outside of God's sphere. But here's what he's saying. If you really want to tap into God's best for you, you've got to stay within the assigned sphere. Come on, are you with me? Now, actually, as followers of Jesus, or people hoping to become followers of Jesus, you've just got to get with this, that there are boxes we need to live in. And it will seem like, on the surface of it, a bit negative, and a bit contrary to the cool, sexy message of a world that says, you can be limitless. But actually, we're not called to swallow that idea. We're called to understand what's God's best for us. And so actually, there is freedom and limitation. There is, there is a, the possibility that if I stay within God's boundary, I can go further than I ever dreamed. That if I'm willing to, can I say this carefully, restrict myself to him, that actually John Andrews and everything he was designed to be can, can touch a much wider sphere than if I try to do that without boundaries on my own. Are, are you with me? And that's the idea we're going to explore over the next two weeks. And, and, and actually, as I've met people and traveled and talked to people and worked this through myself, I've discovered there are four big box myths that I want to challenge. Uh, and I want to challenge them with a Bible worldview and hopefully help you on your journey as a follower of Jesus. So here's the first uh, big box myth that I want to challenge. And it's this, uh, I can be anyone. All right? I can be anyone I want to be. Now, now actually, uh, you know, we, we, we want to look at that and say, is that true? Because if it is true, then actually, you know, you and I can go and do almost anything. If it's not true, we have to challenge it. And actually, within the Bible, that the Bible teaches very, very powerful principle that we can only be the person God designed us to be if we want to live truly happy and fulfilled life. Now, now I, I can reject God's design. I can say, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be in that world. And I can do my own thing. But if I want to truly be free, I've got to embrace the God design for my life. I, I, I believe this, that it's a very powerful idea. No matter who we would like to be, we cannot escape the person we are. Now, let me just say something about the gospel, about becoming a follower of Jesus. When we think of the gospel, people often think that it's just a transaction where my sins are forgiven, my slate's wiped clean, and I've got destination heaven fixed, and, and the Lord comes into my life, and it's going to be great. And that's, I would say, amen to all of that. But another dynamic part of the gospel is this, that when Jesus comes into our lives, he wants to redeem you. He's not just taking away the sin bit. He wants to redeem, call out the person he originally designed you to be. So before the sin got to you, before, before uh, environment got to you, before people got to you, before negativity got to you, before wickedness got to you, before pain got to you, he wants to get to that person and call them out and redeem them. Yep. Yeah. 
And we have an enemy who wants us constantly to cover up. He wants us constantly to be aspiring to be somebody else, to, to desire to be somebody else. As Paul said to, to these guys, comparing themselves with themselves and, and looking at other fields. But actually, our God wants to uncover and redeem the real you. Part of being a Christian is coming to a place where I am comfortable being me. I can tell that really excited you there. You've really, you really got that. And you see, we're nervous about that because we're, we're not quite sure that's true or, or we're not quite happy with being ourselves. Let me say this to you. Jesus cannot change the person you're pretending to be. You can only change the person you are. Come on. Right? And actually, we live in a world that, that almost encourages us, sometimes forces us to pretend, to be somebody else. It doesn't like you. It doesn't like your color. It doesn't like your gender. It doesn't like who you are. And so we're almost forced to morph and change. But this is not a new thing. This has been going on since the beginning of the world. The devil comes to the first man and first woman, and he says to them, look, if you eat the fruit God said not to eat, boundary, then actually, he, he says, if you eat that fruit, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So he's offering them an opportunity to be different than who they are, at least on the surface of it. But if you read back in Genesis chapter 1, what does it teach us? Actually, oops, sorry, that's too, too quickly. It, it doesn't teach us that Ger Stephen Gerrard was there, sorry. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 says that God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, so the devil says to Adam and Eve, take something God said you don't need, boundary, to become someone you already are. See, he said to them, you will be like God. But look, they were already like God. They were already made in the image of God. They were already the perfect human representation of God on earth. And yet the devil got them reaching out to be somebody else. He's never stopped doing that. He's doing that with you. He's doing that with me. He's doing that with our society. And actually, there's something not, not nice about me. My shape's not right, or my height's not right. My nose is too long. My eyes are the wrong color. My hair's... And so we're all the time trying to change who we are for the wrong reasons and into the wrong person. The Holy Spirit wants to change you, not into another person, but into the redeemed version of you so that you are... The person he designed you to be. I'll bring Stephen Gerrard up now. I'm a Liverpool supporter. Let's just get this over with. Come on, let's do it. All right, okay. I'm a Liverpool supporter. Jesus supports Liverpool, so it's okay. This is Stephen Gerrard holding one of our five, five, ladies and five, Jonathan, five European Cups, five. Red or dead, come on. Uh, this, and this is in 2005. Now, I, I love Liverpool. I've supported them like forever. Uh, and I would have done anything to wear the red shirt of Liverpool, all right? Like for real, not like, like, you know, just walking down the street. Playing for Liverpool. And so my fantasy moments, look at the screen. My fantasy moments, Stephen Gerrard turns into John Andrews. Did you see that? Let me do it again. Stephen Gerrard, John Andrews. 
Steven Gerrard, John Andrews. I've got to leave that image up there because I like that image. Now listen, I can pray, fast, confess, jump up and down and do everything that is possible. Do a victory shout with Jonathan in CLM that Jesus would give me the opportunity to lift the European Cup for Liverpool. It's never going to happen. And the reason it's never going to happen, it's not lack of passion. It's not, it's not lack of desire. It's just, I can't play football. <laughs> and so I can live a life of frustration wishing I was Stevie G. Or it can be me. And actually start loving the me that God made me. Now, when I say loving, I don't mean in some sick, egotistical sense of the planet. I mean Bible love self, all right? I mean coming to a place where I literally am okay with being me. Come on. Now, now listen, you, you, you live in a world that says you can be anyone you want. God says you can't. And you've got to make a choice. Who am I going to believe here? Am I going to believe God who made the world? Or am I going to believe some... some you know, guru on Twitter. Who, who am I going to believe? And the sooner you settle that, the freer or more bound you will be. If you live your life trying to be somebody else, you will be exhausted. It will exhaust you. And even if you pull it off, it's still wrong. Much easier to put the energy into being you. Let the world see you as Jesus designed you to be and have the courage to stay in that box. Amen? Uh, and so we get this idea, God wants you to embrace the glory of your design. Turn to someone and say, it's okay to be me. <laughs> now, when I say me, I mean you, not me, okay? So, uh, okay. All right. Here's the second big box myth. I can do anything. So I can be anyone. Uh, we live in a world that says I can do anything. I, I've literally overheard parents say to their children, you can do anything you want to do. Now, I embrace the spirit of that. I'm with you. I'm saying amen. Because the spirit of that is cool. The reality of that is broken. Your children and you cannot do anything you want. You can only actually do the things that you are fundamentally designed and gifted to do. Now, you can have a go at stuff. You can learn new skills, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your fundamental design as a person, your fundamental giftedness, the tools that are in the box of your life that have been put there from your mother's womb. Because my theology teaches me that, that God has a book for me that he's designed, and that God was involved, that as I was cooking genetically in my mother's womb, the product of my mom and my dad, God's fingers got involved and put things inside me that are, are given from him. And here's what I, my, my theology believes, that the stuff God put inside me and the book that God has written for me are connected by the gifts he gave me. So actually, if I want to save myself a life of frustration, I've got to stop wishing I had someone else's tool and start looking at the tools on my own box and saying, okay, let's learn how to use these. All right, I'm 50 years of age. Here's what I've discovered. You can take it or leave it. And here's, here's my conclusion. The gifts I don't have, I don't need. 
Now, don't hear me wrong. You can learn new skills. You can, you can pick up new behaviors because human beings are amazing at adapting and learning. So we're saying yes to all of that. But my fundamental giftedness, if I haven't got it, I've come to the conclusion it's because God believes I don't need it. Come on, are you with me? And actually, that's a challenge to each one of us. I believe this. My God-given gifts won't allow me to excel in areas for which they were not designed. Now, that's a box, and some people won't like that box. Oh, no, 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 I'm not living in that box. But actually, here's, here's what Paul discovered. I'll show you next week. Here's what Jesus discovered. Here's what great men and women discover. If I literally learn to use the gifts that I know are inside me, those gifts will take me further than if I keep trying to reach out for gifts I don't actually have. And even if I get them, I don't need them. It just seems like sense to me. And yet I meet people knocking themselves out for gifts that somebody else has because it looks cool, it looks great, it looks amazing, and I would love to be like that. Listen, deliver yourself from that. Set yourself free. Can, can, I, can I give you a word of freedom? You can't do everything. It's okay. It's okay to say, I can't do that. I mean, you know, not because of a response of laziness or not, but I can't do it because I just don't have the gifts for that. Because God wants you to live in the sphere, in the field that he's assigned to you. And one of the greatest, wisest things you could do is look inside your life and, and ask the Holy Spirit, what gifts have you given me? So that I can use those. Some of you will have four or five tools in the box. Some of us may have uh, six or seven tools. One of us, some of us may have one or two. It doesn't matter how many. What really counts is we use them well while we're alive. This is my daughter, 16, currently at Soul Survivor, and uh, with her wellies. Uh, and, and the rain and all that's going on there. She's fantastic. She's gifted, very talented, very intelligent, a really outstanding, takes all of that from her mother and uh, a wonderful, wonderful girl. And of course, we've just done GCSEs. The stress level of our house has just dropped through the floor. Who's with me? Come on, GCSEs, like pressure, pressure. <sighs> Breathe, okay. Now, now the pressure's building for results, okay? So, so all of that's gone. I, and I, I remember walking in, we have a, a workstation in our living area so, that, so there's accountability there. And, and so Beth Ann's working at the workstation. She's got a, a screen there and a screen there. Um, she's got six windows open, ranging from homework and revision through to uh, um, YouTube, uh, 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 Spotify, it's all going on. And plus she's got her phone here and she's Snapchatting. I said to her, what are you doing, love? She said, I'm revising. <laughs> really? In which parallel universe are you revising? Okay, now, now, if she gets great results at the end of August, she'll go, I told you. See, I was revising. Um, but, but actually, I'm looking at all that noise on the screen and I'm thinking, she can't be doing that good. Now, I know so, a young person's going to come at me and say, you know, our generation's different from you old people. We can do all of that. Yeah, okay. But, but actually, you see, there's this myth that we can multitask. And I know, I know women have the prerogative on that. Women can multitask, can't they? And men can't. Now, I want to tell you, I can watch Liverpool and eat Doritos at the same time. I can multitask. <laughs> all right? So... 
I'm just saying. Um, now, now, I know there's a bit of a, a, an argument going on about multitasking, but I don't believe any of us can truly multitask. I think we task shift. Now, that's my view. Throw it out if you want. It's cool. But, but it's hard to concentrate on one, more than one thing and give it 100% each. I mean, that's impossible, isn't it? I can only actually give one thing 100% concentration at one time. Is that fair? Yet so often in life, we, instead of laying things down and picking something up, we just pick more stuff up. And, and actually, instead of focusing on the stuff that God's given us, we, we tend, if, if we're honest, some of us at least, we tend to reach out for the stuff we haven't got so that we can have that stuff to look cool or, or, or to be like somebody else or to be able to do something else. And one of the most liberating things you can do is not chase that. It's just have the courage to say, I haven't got that tool, but I've got this tool. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to knock my pan out, learning how to make this tool rock. I'm going to use my gifts 100%. I'm going to give my best to what I've got. I'm not going to worry about what I don't have. Are you with me? So we get this idea that the person who tries to do everything, Eugene Cho says this, the person who tries to do everything will do nothing well. He says, focus and do it well. Know it, breathe it, love it, and live it. Does that make sense? And I believe this, this is my observation of life, that actually too many of us are trying to use gifts we don't have for tasks we weren't designed for. That's why we're frustrated. That's why we come home from work completely empty. It's not because we're afraid of hard work, it's because deep down we're not using who we are. We're not using what we've got. We're, 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 we're being asked to, to do things that isn't really me, and it's not really what I've got. And that can happen even to wonderful spirit-filled Christians, not just to sinner people out there. Does that make sense? Okay, here's a third box, really quickly, third myth. The myth is I can produce any time. This is a myth. We, we now live in a world of 24-7, and it's crackers. It's crazy. And, and we need to have the courage to say this, just because we can doesn't mean we should. You know, I, I suppose there's millions of these around and, and, and most people in this room. Anyone here not have a smartphone? Now, I don't mean an Apple phone, I mean a smartphone. Anyone not have a smartphone? Okay, so we've got one, two, three. Keep your hands up. Four, five. Well, you're, you're too young probably to have one. Six, seven, eight. Any more? Nine, ten. Okay, I mean, hundreds of people in the room and only 10 uh, haven't got smartphones. So we, it proves again, we have embraced the smartphone technology. We are, we are, this little piece of kit has changed the way we live. In your lifetime, your family has changed because of this. Meal times have changed because of this. Society has changed because of this. I was, in, I was out walking the other day. I was almost knocked over by a young woman doing this. Yeah, we go to a coffee shop. We don't, we, the, the primary concern is not how good's the coffee is. Do you have Wi-Fi? People pick hotels on the basis of how good their broadband is. 
Yes, we're terrified that Wi-Fi will go down because then families will have to start actually talking to each other. <laughs> World war, famine, you know, we can cope with all of that. Don't break the internet. Don't break the internet. And please give us Wi-Fi, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> yep. That's changed our world. Why has it changed our world? Because it's made you 24-7 accessible. Yes? And actually, there is a big box myth that is now being backed up by cool, sexy technology that says you are limitless. And actually, God says to us at the very core of our design that we are not. You know, when God made creation, he made evening and morning the first day. And the idea was that when it got dark, you went to sleep. And when the sun came up, you went to work. That's a cool idea, isn't it? I, mean, I wish I'd have thought of that. It's a good idea. And then every six days you work, you have one day off. That's a cool idea. Do you know why? Because you're not a machine. You're a human being. Not a doing, a being. You're a human being. And actually, you need rhythm. You need rest. You need to be able to switch off. You need to be able to walk away and step away. You need to be able to put the phone on airplane mode or switch it off altogether or leave it out of the intimate parts of your world. Don't have it on the dinner table. Don't have it, you know, in, in areas where you're looking for intimacy and, and relationship and contact. It's, I have it all. Listen, I'm not anti-technology. I have an iPad, an iPhone. I've got a Mac. I love it. I've got it all. It's a fantastic tool. But, but actually, we must, as Christians, respond and say, my world is not limitless. I'm not designed to live 24-7. Even non-Christians are saying we need technology Sabbaths. This quote is not from a Christian book. This quote is from a secular management book. Managing your day-to-day. Uh, and they're, they're talking about technology Sabbaths. I, I follow Banksy on Twitter. He's a very interesting person. And I saw this recently um, from, from him. Uh, and, and you look at this. Uh, and of course, you're just, uh, that's just a typical scene now, isn't it? So something exciting is happening. And we're all getting the phones out. Clicking or videoing. All right? Now, I know you've never done that. Um, that's, just, that's just them. Okay, that's them. So, so there they are. But I want to zoom in. Look, I want to zoom in for you and see what happens. Look, there she is. There's the cool one in the crowd. The wrinkly in the crowd is the cool one, right? Why? Because she's actually enjoying the moment. We video moments to enjoy them later. <laughs> Instead of like enjoying them now. Now, I know you've never done that. I've, I've, never, I've never done that. Never. That's why I'm on Instagram, because I've never done it. Okay, so, so, but I have found myself clicking instead of enjoying. It, it happens so, so, it doesn't make you a bad person. It's just, it just means we're being swept along. Here's Jesus' words to his disciples. You know, come aside with me, and let's get some rest. That's, 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 calm this whole thing down. And if Jesus and his disciples had had smartphones when he did that, then I think Jesus, as they're walking into the area of rest, he would have had the bucket in his hand. Okay, boys, smartphone. <laughs> and the other one, Peter, in there. <laughs> put it in. I know you've got a backup down your trousers. Come on, put it in. All right, so I think Jesus would have, would have uh, disarmed them from the technology. 
Can I just say to parents in the room, listen, keep, keep the technology off the dinner table. Dinner's for food and talk. It's a good idea. You go to a cool restaurant you're going to pay a fortune for, put your phone away. You're paying a fortune for that food. Look at it. <laughs> you know, actually enjoy it. Put your phone away. Enjoy the moment. Yes, are you, are you with me? Um, uh, one man, James Vittori, said this. I love this. He said, the gym and the park are no longer places for personal development or reflection, but just another place to check in. Now, we've got to watch that. Got to watch that. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, my daughter's 16. If you took her phone off her, her thumb keeps doing that. It's just, all right. Now, if your thumb keeps doing that, you're bound. If you can't put it down, you're bound. And you're sitting there looking at me going, no, no, I'm not bound. Well, try it then. This week, go on, I challenge you. For next week's sermon, challenge you. Put it down for 24 hours. See if you don't have thumb withdrawal. <laughs> Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, give me Wi-Fi. All right? I, and, and here's what I've discovered. Non-stop working leads to dead-stop living. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I love the technology, and I have it. So I'm not being a hypocrite. I have it. I love it. But what it's offering is not true. It's offering you a limitless life. This is not true. You need to sleep. You need to rest. You need to reflect. You need to turn the emails off. You need to resist the tyranny of the ping and the vibrate and the ding and the noise or the cook or whatever other noise you've put on your incoming messages. You need to turn it off. And actually, a sign that you are free is that you can turn it off. Still love me? All right. All the people with no smartphones are going, see? We're the cool ones here, not you. All right. Okay. Here's the last thing, and I'm done. Literally a few more minutes and we're finished. You're being amazing. Here we go. The last myth is myth number four I can go anywhere. Now, by that, I don't mean, you know, getting on a plane to go to Australia. I mean, in this context, the anywhere of purpose. Now, there's a sense in which, as a human being, you can go anywhere you want. So you can walk out this room and you can make a decision to do anything you want to do, whether that's good, bad, or ugly. And you are sort of in control. But as a follower of Jesus, the minute you sign up to follow Jesus, technically speaking at least, you no longer have the right to do that. So the minute I took the cross on my shoulder and said, I'm following you, I lost the right, not the ability, but I lost the right to say, I can go where I want. The minute you start following Jesus, here's what happens. Actually, we're being called before we punch our own coordinates into the satnav to go where we want to go. We ask Jesus, where do you want to go? So you tell me where you want to go and I'll go with you. Now, that's a bit scary because as human beings, we love our freedom. We love to be able to do what we want. We love to be able to go where we want and make decisions we want. And I get all of that. And that's why being a follower of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus, is pretty tricky and pretty challenging. Because the Bible worldview says the minute I sign up and the minute I step into that box, I lose the right to set the satnav. 
Jesus gets control of the sat-nav. So before I put in the postcode, he goes, hold it, hold it. Put your hand down, lad. I'll do it. Follow me. And actually, we have a, a version of Christianity that's emerging. It's sort of God follows us. So I'll go where I want and then, go, you know, pray to God. He'll bail me out. He'll help me and he'll bless me. So I, I didn't ask him if it was cool to go there. I just went there because that's where I want to go in the hope that he will catch up and he will bless me anyway. So I took that job even though I felt he didn't want me to take it because I wanted it, but I wanted to bless me in that job. I spent that money that I knew I should have given somewhere else, but I, I, I want, I've always wanted a 50-inch flat-screen TV, and I know the Lord will bless me anyway because he understands. Do you understand what I mean? As human beings, what we tend to do, even Christians, we tend to move, set the satin of ourselves, move, and hope that Jesus likes the journey. That's not freedom. And actually, you know, we, we, true freedom is saying, Jesus, where do you want me to go? You're with me? Look at this. David says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book, your book, before one of them came to be. Yes? See, here's the thing. God's written his book for you. He hasn't written your book. He's written his book. So, so he's written a book and you're in it. So actually, my, the, the, the wisest thing I can do is find out what pages he's written for me or what direction he wants me to go or what he wants from my life. Because, because actually, if I hook into that, then, then I'm going his way. And when I go his way, I'm truly free. It feels like I'm bound, but I'm free. And the irony is, if I go my way, it feels like I'm free and I'm bound. I, I love Doctor Who. Who's with me? And of course, Doctor Who is famous for his TARDIS. And the cool thing about the TARDIS is not just that it travels through time. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But the cool thing about the TARDIS is that it's much bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. In fact, the Doctor Who moment is cool. He, he loves the moment when a complete stranger walks into the TARDIS for the first time because they always get freaked out. They're awed and shocked by the TARDIS. Why? Because it looks like a small box on the outside, but inside it's a, a, a cavernous, expanding, uh, empowering world. And the will of God is a little bit like that. When you first become a follower of Jesus, or if you're thinking about becoming a follower of Jesus, it looks like he's asking you to climb into a very small box. But here's what I've found. You see, when you climb in, it's not small at all. It's amazing. I, I, I've got to go places I didn't even know existed when I was 16. And I, I haven't gone there because I went into a travel agent. I've gone there because I just followed Jesus. I've got to do things, honestly. Don, we can keep you here for weeks talking about the things that God has given us and done for us. Uh, things that we never went after. Things that we never asked for. And he's done for us material things, uh, blessings, opportunities. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I pinched myself and I, how did I get here? And all I did was I just followed him. Now, now, when I stepped into the box at 15 and surrendered my life, people around me thought it was bonkers. He, he given your life away. I, and I stepped into what looked like a really small box. And I discovered a world. 
of opportunity and expansion and empowerment and a world that I wouldn't trade for all the tea in China. It's amazing. And the big box myth will say, no, 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 don't let Jesus control the satin of you control it because then you're the boss and you get to do what you want. But actually the Bible says, when you do what you want, you're bound. But when you do what he wants, you're free. Wow. The, the worship team, you want to come and join me? We're going to sing. Let me just close with this thought, this idea, and it leads us up to next week. And we're going to look at Jesus and the boxes that Jesus had and how Jesus lived in a box and changed the world. What an amazing idea that was. Here's the thought I want to, to leave you with. We can go beyond what we think is possible if we stay within the God-designed boxes of our lives. If you have the courage to accept the person you are, you can be free. Let Jesus redeem you. Not your alter ego. Not your avatar. You. You. He loves you. Died for you. Didn't die for your avatar. He died for you. He died for you. He loves you. Thinks the world of you. So why are you pretending to be somebody else? And exhaust yourself. Be yourself. In the presence of the Lord. Be yourself. Just surrender. This is me. Right, Lord? You know who I am. Do something with me. Some of you need to have the courage to let go of gifts you don't have. Trying to compete with a guy next door that's killing you. You need to relax. You need to just come to a place and say, if I haven't got it, I don't need it. If those gifts are not in my box now, I don't need them. That's if you have a Bible worldview. I don't need it. The only gifts I need are the God, the God gifts that have been put there. And, and I'm going to use those. And I'll set you free from competition and comparison and the tyranny of staying up in, the, in a rat race. Well, you're not a rat. And it's not a race. You're a human being. And you're called to live for Him. Some of you just need to have the courage to turn it off. Put it down. Stop this 24-7 nonsense. Because you're going to break or you're going to burn if you don't turn it off. Some of us need to have the courage to step into the box of His will and His purpose. You've got your own idea and your own dream and your own design, but actually He has something bigger for you than that. But in order to get His bigger, you've got to go into His box. If you have the courage to do that, my goodness. You'll go beyond by staying within. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you and the band are going to lead us in a song as we close the service. Forgive me, I've run slightly over time. Please forgive me. Now as I pray, just open up your heart. The Holy Spirit will have said different things to different people for different reasons as I've spoken. I've said a lot of stuff this morning. So there'll be different things touching you, but before you rush off, have your lunch and do a million things, just, just have a moment to allow the power of God's word to bring revelation and clarity to you. He loves you. He can only change the person you are, not the person you're pretending to be. The gifts you have, 
you need. The gifts you don't have, you don't need. You can't sustain 24-7. Don't be afraid to turn it off and reflect in the stillness and the glory of His presence. And for some of you, stop trying to control the sat-nav and let Jesus punch in the coordinates. Holy Spirit, I pray for every person in this room. We all face the incessant pressure of a world that wants us to be somebody else, of a world that tries to make us do things we actually don't want to do, of a world that wants to pursue us 24-7, of a world that will criticize our choices, especially choices made of putting Jesus at the center. And Lord, we come against the philosophy of that world. We come against that philosophy. And we want to be men and women with a Bible worldview. We want to be men and women who understand that actually we can only be the person you made us to be. We can only do the things you've assigned us to do. That actually, Lord, we can only operate in the rhythms that you have given us. That, Lord, the purpose you have for us will take us to worlds of expansion. And so I pray for every person in this room that there will be courage, there will be clarity, there will be a willingness and a humility to submit to the boundaries, the good boundaries of Almighty God so that we can live our lives as you originally designed them to be lived. May you give us the courage to say yes and no. May you give us the courage to grasp and let go. May you give us the courage, Lord Jesus, to submit and to surrender and in being bound to you, experience true freedom and true expansion and prosperity. So Lord, may your grace be on every person right now. Seal your word in our hearts and may each of us go beyond by staying within. In Jesus' name.